Hi everyone and welcome back to Reload Podcast. My name's Lee Maxwell and with me today I have... Connor McCann. And Nigel Lamont. Today is episode number 17. We have an interview with Butsy Butler coming up later on and we'll talk about the Driven Run that we were on this past weekend. But let's start off as usual with what's new with you, Connor. Um, well, I finally started a Mark III and it's not the green one. Um, well, of course it's not the green one. It doesn't have an engine in it. <laughs> There's actually two green ones and neither of them start. Um, no, the, I'm sensing a pattern here with your Mark III collection, Connor. Yeah, there's definitely a, a pattern. I have a 1.4 Rider base model that I want to do a restoration on, which is like the most anti-Connor thing ever, because everything I own gets butchered. But yeah, um, it really is. We were talking about it the other day, and you were like, "Oh, like it's too low and everything." And I'm like, "Who are you?" Yeah, <laughs> this thing. I, Has there been a body swap here? Or something? It's weird. Uh, Lee and Stefan have been giving me grief, and they're like, "Oh, you'll end up doing this. And you'll do that." I just want it to be standard. Like the the interior is spotless on it. Mechanically. I'm hearing the words that are coming out of your mouth, Connor. But somehow we don't believe you. Yes. Part of me would like to just VR. Just keep it, nodding. But no, it's not happening. It's we do have things. a spare VR engine sitting in the yard, so we have four spares. Sleeper, sleeper driver looking VR. Is that what you're thinking, Lee? Yeah. Nah, it has to stay original. We think's cool. It needs a bit of body work, but other than that, mechanically it's sound and it hadn't started in eighteen months, I think it was, and put a battery into it out of the Bora and first turn of the key started up and i was like this is why i love this thing yeah in fairness it is super reliable yeah so I, if i could get an mot on it actually i would daily it but not with those rusty arches you won't no definitely not so that's the crack there mot's are few and far between yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about yourself nigel um what to do the driven run but as i say we're going to talk about that later on i the clear it continues i sold a 18 16 valve kr engine out of a corrado Gentleman from Dublin came up and bought it the day after the driven run. I uh, had a great chat to him. He's doing a bit of work on a Mark II that he bought, and I think he's going to go to town on the engine I sold him, basically. And Very nice. Is that what it's going into, the Mark II? Mark II, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's going to do a bit of work on it. I think he's talking about a set of Webers and stuff like that on it. Oh, nice. Yeah, a bit of some, head, work, head work and cams. Some sort of setup to with some Lee's Jetta. Yep, yep. Basically that there. Anything uh, else? Um... It's just my usual, I wake up in the morning and look through the usual places, uh, Gumtree, Marketplace, Facebook and uh, Auto Trader, and it's just that, oh look at that, that's a nice car, and so I found this lovely Audi sitting in Bangor. That sounds like such a dangerous game, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it was an RS3, a white one, and I went over and looked at it, and uh, found it very pleasant, put it that way. Yeah, it's an RS3 would be very pleasant. Yeah, this one had Rebo software in it, so it was uh, extra pleasant. What sort of what sort of power are they with a Rebo map? I think they're triple three standard, and I think a map takes them to four. Oh, nice! So that was. five uh, five pod soundtrack would be yes. fun. It's, it's very sexual. <laughs> Is it was there an exhaust or anything on, or just, no, standard? just standard? And you can still hear it. Yep. Oh, I like it. Um, yeah, but automatic and just I don't know. I don't know what to be at, Connor, so yeah, let's move on. I don't know. <laughs> see see those. If Volkswagen now own Audi, they've bought them out, right? So That's right. Like, yeah. why they don't put that engine in one of the Golfs? Like, that should be a Golf R... Oh, Golf RS. They should call it the Golf RS. I just think... an Audi the, engine. The way the electronic train's going, I just don't think... There's not a market for it. Put, a, put any emphasis on it. Some dickhead will buy it, though. Like us. Yeah. They're <laughs> buying the Audis. They'll buy the Golfs. Yeah, yeah. 
But I would say the way they look at that is the five it, cylinders, holy sacrilege of the the ID brand. The ID brand. You take it into Volkswagen and you'll upset a lot of people. Yeah, I like so, to upset people. Yeah, yeah. That's my that's my favorite part. But apart from that, plugging away, getting on my life, Excellent. dreaming about cars I can't afford. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> Do you not know there's a recession on, Nigel? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what recession? And what about YouTube's? Anybody been watching anything lately? Um. Not really, having a lot of, lot of time just with the driven run and work being hectic and stuff, but a few short videos I've been watching. Um, there's two channels. One of the channels I watch all the time, it's a guy from England, uh, it's the channel VW Racing. Okay. He basically does a lot of content about Santa Pod. Oh, this, is this the drag racing guys that have been on it for a while now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they actually go about in a T5 or 6 fan, it's all graphicked up and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know um, who you mean. They started out a few years ago. Uh, it's mainly Santa Pod content. I think he's doing a few cars and coffees now, just with a lack of shows and stuff. He yeah, does, he started to cover shows in recent year or last year, sorry. Um, but he there must have been a German run with you brung at Santa Pod last week or something. Okay, because he just absolutely flooded his channel with new videos. Crazy horsepower Volkswagens. There was a seven hundred brake Mark One Caddy. It was doing <laughs> nines. <laughs> And I watched it going up the track, and I just went, you need to have some set of clangers on you to hold on to that. Yeah. Um, there was an RS3, 720 brake, it done a 9.72. A lot of the German guys were over for it. And he- um, TTK Motorsport, FRT Motorsport, the Donkey Tech or Don Octane weren't there. But them two, guy, them two motorsport guys, they were 1,100 and 1,200 horsepower that is mental what a, a vr6 turbos again or are they running yeah, tape um, size? it was r29 turbos and r30 so re-sleeved r32s yeah. um they were eights and nines all day long um taken off from the line they just squat and once they get in the second gear they're gone it's just crazy just on that topic of our um vr6 turbos ronan linked us to a thing during the week it was a two and a half liter vr6 turbo and he says, what's this here? So I was just no idea. It was FSI. So I started to do a bit of Googling. Apparently, it's from the Chinese market. And they get in the Chinese market, they had a two and a half liter VR6 turbo from the factory. It's either, I think it's FSI. So it's direct injection. And I'm at 300 horsepower standard. And there's a crowd in America are buying them up and selling them out as crate engines. Mm-hmm. That'd be an interesting one. Yes, please. Apart from having to walnut blast the valves, but sure. Mm. Wonder if stealth racing or something like that'll start to pick up on them. Yeah, like if they're making standard three hundred horsepower turbo, and they do have a forge crank in them as well. Oh, so they'll take power. Yeah, (laughs) it's a wonder the Germans haven't jumped onto that. I'm surprised. Is yeah, Um, I'd never heard of them to be fair. Like, and I do like. Maybe it's just a simple case of you know replace. Replacement for displacement. Yeah, exactly. The Germans what? are sticking to the three liters. Yeah, I suppose if there's components available for the ah, two and a half, two point eights, and three point twos, why try something different? Yeah, yeah. Um, quickly, another channel, Auto Addiction. That's the guy that got banned from the Nurburgring because he filmed all the crashes. Do you hear about that? No, now? I didn't hear him. It was last year, I think it was Auto Addiction. Um, they have a YouTube channel and they basically sat at corners filming crashes, and it was busy like best of crashes of Nurburgring. Uh-huh. I think the people that own Nurburgring or whatever, they basically banned them or stopped them from publishing videos of crashes because mm-hmm. it was detrimental to their name or something uh, like that. yeah, fair enough. I think that was him now, don't quote me. But I think there was an event in Germany, Race 1000. They're not allowed to do quarter-mile racing, but they're allowed to do terminal speed racing in Germany. Or there, is no, or there is no facilities for it or something. Fair enough, yeah. Um, 
So race 1000 in Germany. So there was some metal cars there. There was a 1300 brake horsepower Mark II Golf and another 1300 horsepower S4 Avant just doing metal top end speeds. Um, yeah, that's that high end stuff. Like, I actually, something I'd like to try is the, the top speed runs as opposed to the drag racing. Yeah. Just sort of hold something out to this maximum. Yeah. So, uh, no, that's the two things I've been watching YouTube. Very good. Nothing else too exciting. No, I, I have nothing on YouTube, but it's one thing I have been watching was our listener, Dennis, FF Metalworks. Oh, yes. Been, yeah. I think it was last week or the week before. He had been posting, he's doing a, a custom wheel for Brand Scotto from Hoonigan. And I can't say what the car is that it's going into just before I bring that up. But Insider info. Yeah, um, it's the one thing I've been sworn not to say. So that's, I, I've actually written here in the notes twice not to say it. Do not say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's, yeah. That, what's that on YouTube uh, speak? Embargo? There's an embargo? Exactly. So yeah, <laughs> I've been sworn to secrecy, but Dennis does a lot of like custom gear knobs, custom car parts, and a lot of manual machining. He recently got a Haas CNC. The master of metal. Yes. That's what I call him. So one of the first things he tackled was a custom steering wheel, which is fairly impressive. Like I wouldn't have been tackling that. I'd have made a Lego brick or something. <laughs> and um, so it's basically a, a Mark 1, Mark 2, I think it's a Mark 2 GTI wheel. Mark II, yeah. Um, and that style made out of billet aluminium. So it's 330 mils, so slightly smaller than standard. And one thing we've been talking about was the weight of it with being aluminium, I'd imagine it would be quite heavy. And it started off as a 20 kilo block of 14, 14 inches, but three and a half inches of solid alloy. It's for anyone out there, 6061 T6 aluminium. And it's down to three kilos. So the standard weight, standard one is. 2.5 kilos and this one's three kilos so there's very no little difference, difference in it no. um and he's made it to bolt on to a momo hub so it'll fit pretty much like factory um and then the eventual plan is it's going to go black with the wooden trim ring around it so depending on what type of so it'll be kind of oem plus look to it nice seriously impressive those cncs like what you can do with them some uh, of those videos are so satisfying to watch. You can just watch them for hours of just the little thing going and it just like turning like, into a thing. Yeah. It's like visual ASMR. Yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, it's almost like you see it appearing out of nothing because it's all this like the, the cooling fluid spurting all over it and it just goes in this solid block and like go down and down and down. It's about like watching 3D printing and fast, like sped up. You just see this thing kind of appearing from nowhere, which is pretty cool. Colin, the other uh, partner in Reload, he is a CAD engineer. That's right. And the time and design that there must be crazy even before you go to the actual machine. That's it, yeah. So you have design work and then you have your tool path set up. So what way it's actually going to run. And it's something I know nothing about, but I have an interest in. And Dennis was kind of talking me through it. The setup time, you kind of think CNC simple. You know, you just let it run. But it's not even that. You have to be there in case anything yeah. goes wrong as well. But even watching it, like, Eight videos are up, like if it like switching the tools out and things like that. It's just it's amazing. And for anybody that operates them things, they're probably going ask nothing. But I like it. I like to sit and look at it and yeah. see what's happening. Big shout out to Dennis. Keep all the good work. Yeah. So we need more people like that doing custom parts. Definitely. Yep. We'll move on to our news then. Yep. So I think the first one on the agenda is the uh, the big booty bitch to quote Lee from last week. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's all it has going for it. It's the new M3 estate. Yes, I firmly believe that BMW have been listening to our podcast. Um, I forget what number episode it was, Cars Never Were. We discussed the M3. Yes, I can't remember, but yeah. I think it was about five episodes back. So uh, 
Yeah, big shout out to the director of BMW. It's great to have you guys on board. If you could rate and review in German, that's fine. We don't need it in English. <laughs> if only you could sort out the front end of it. Yeah. So here's just a wee bit from uh, Auto Express. BMW has officially confirmed plans to launch an estate version of the upcoming 6th generation M3. When it eventually reaches the UK market, it will be the first official M performance version of the 3 Series Touring, directly competing with the Mercedes-AMG C63 and the Audi RS4. It is also confirmed that it will be powered by a twin-turbo 6-cylinder petrol engine, same 3-litre powertrain found in the X3M and X4M. Um, so 503 brakes, 600 newton metres of torque. So... Yeah, it's going to get you out of town, like, definitely. Now, it's, as with all new BMWs, this, it's basically that optional four-wheel drive, I think, isn't it? Ah, uh, the X-Drive. Yeah, so you can direct it to rear-wheel drive when you want to be and stuff like that. Um, It is a gorgeous-looking car. From the back. Yes. <laughs> and um, I posted up a picture of the front, and the reaction we had in the inbox was hilarious. It was the, the best part about it was people were reacting to, you posted up the back end first, and they were reacting to that, wow, going, oh, wow, my wow, God. Wow, wow. And then... The next woman that's seen the front end of it, it was just a total 180 on the comments. Yeah. Some of the comments were fucking hilarious. Like, it was so good. But it is one ugly thing on the front. Like, I, I, it's hard to even describe. The, we, we laughed at the M4 with the big grills and looked like big nostrils. But this thing is a different level. Insert predator quote here. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Oh, like, yes. Big shout out to Matty Donnan, who sent us through a picture of one of the... Um, First four series in Belfast Docks. That's right. Yes, I've seen that. So, um, no, Lexus kind of went that way, as you say, Lee, with the, the whole Predator mouth at the mm-hmm. front. And then it looks like they're doing this now with the set of BMW grills kind of photoshopped over the top of it. There must be, I don't know, there must be 12 grills in front of that thing. It is terrible. And I, I think putting the number plate going right through the middle of it, if anything, makes it worse. Yeah. On, on the you M4, think that might it break it up or take, you know, kind of hide it a wee bit and it doesn't? It just, oh. Bad, I, I, bad, I, I said to Andy Totten, who is the Northern Ireland's BMW, Oracle. you know, yeah, the Oracle. I says, what is this here? And what is the response from BMW? Because they, they openly won't admit us for the Chinese market. Oh, yeah. But apparently their response to it is basically it's to do with engine cooling. Engine cooling? Well, I would debate that greatly, <clears> considering <throat> I would put serious money on it that not every one of those grills yeah. is open. I guarantee they're blanked off behind or else it's a grill. Well, sorry, quote unquote, a grill. It's a flat bit of plastic with the outline of the grill on it. Yeah. I guarantee you because I can't remember who it was. And I've tried to find the article to show other people before, but it might have been Auto Express or some one of those rags. Um, I just read out an article there, Connor. Connor uh, what do you mean? It was rags. precise information. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's the one you used to subscri- subscribe to, Lee? Is it Auto Express? Yeah. Yeah. And they have a pension for making things up. But they've done this thing where they photoshopped out cars, grills that weren't functional. So they had, like, say, a new Hyundai that had three grills in the front, but only one of them takes in air. Mm-hmm. So they photoshopped out the rest to smooth them out. And they were totally different looking to what, you know, what they were actually... They're obviously just... They're not functional. They're aesthetics. But it was strange to see it. I must try and see if we can find that article again. I did try to find it for the guys in work, but... It's a bit like my car with the stupid fake exhaust ports on the back. Oh, which, it kills me. Mm, yeah. I know. You ever see uh, Matt uh, from Carway, the big stick of no truth? No. <laughs> He's a big... Uh, he hates cars that have fake vents and uh-huh. fake exhaust. I'm with him there. So he gets an old stick and says, oh, the stick of truth will find out. Poke and he pokes his... <laughs> Yes, I like it. Yeah, that's... 
I, I don't know what they're doing at the minute. Um, the odd thing is the normal 3 Series, which they're going to release, the non-M model, has like a what I would call the normal front end. Yeah. It has a nice set of grills that look like kind of the E46, C90-type grills above, kind of just between the headlights, and has one or two open grills on the bumper. Yeah. It actually is a nice-looking front end. So I can't see anybody swapping an SE front onto an M3, but... There might be some sort of market out there for kits or what's Some people might. Yeah, I, I would. You could totally reverse the trend of put the sporty model on your model bumpers on your standard car. People could be going the other way around. Yeah, be a spec. <laughs> I wonder, is it a case of, right, our M's and the, you know, our M's cars have been too similar in the past to... Uh, they're trying to... Let's really go mental on them. Yeah, they're trying to get away from, like, everybody says about yeah. Audis like that, that oh, the, the performance the latest, models. The latest uh, top-end... A6s compared to an RS6, there's not a million miles difference. Unless you're really into them, you will struggle to but tell that's what, what I like, are. and especially with an estate. Like it's those subtle. sporty estates, they're supposed to be like sleeper cars. Like That's what I like about them. It's yeah. like you don't know until they come hammering past you. Like. <laughs> I debadge mine. Until you, until you bag it in a set of 20s or something. Well, yeah. Very <laughs> <Try> subtle. <laughs> Next topic then for the news is APR in America, tuning company are getting their ass handed to them, basically, by the EPA. Yes. So they made an announcement in the UK this week. Yeah, they're discontinuing stage two software maps, anything that deletes anything emissions-wise. So anything that takes out your cat, um, that'll be their dime pipes and things as well. So I was reading a thing from a supplier who had said on Facebook, I think they were replying to a guy, saying that basically the EPA, they've stamped on them not for road use. But they're saying you're selling too many of these and they can't all be not for yeah. road use. So they're basically taking it as we're just shutting it down, essentially. And they could actually close the company. You know, they, 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 could, they have the power to do that and they're not. They're just stopping them selling these products. But I was talking to listener Racket Ralph and he was saying the same with, I think it was, oh, it was another American tune. ECS. No, not ECS. Um, Utronic, is it? I can't remember um, exactly which one, but they're the same. They've been stopped from selling any maps now that take out anything emissions-wise. So that'll be the way of it, and it'll eventually trickle down to here, unfortunately, and you kind of think... Yeah, they'll, they'll catch wind of it over here, and they'll just go right, same here. Yeah, that's it. And you sort of go, well, it's in America, it'll be fine, but that all trickles down. Yeah. And it, they've targeted like they've targeted us for years, you know, you're pulling you over for exhaust being too loud, or an MOT, if it says not for road use on it, they'll make you swap it out, or, you know, sometimes you might buff that off. But we'll say nothing about that. Um, but <laughs> now, but they'll, they'll start targeting the suppliers. And if you can't buy it, you can't get it. Yeah. Black market for the win now. Yeah. I did <laughs> I did see some guy commenting on that dealer that I was quoting earlier there saying that, so the, they've stopped the downpipes totally. And the guy was like, oh, you know, would you have any kicking around? And the guy replied saying, yeah, we actually have one left on the shelf here. And he was like, oh, would you do like a, a discount on it? And the guy was like, why would I do a discount? They're like hen's teeth. They've actually yeah. been up this in price. Is, I've just told you this is the last one. Yeah, they're not making any more of it. <laughs> Idiots. So, yeah, that's that's kind of scary. I think that's kicking in the 7th of September as well. So anybody that's after that kind of thing, get it done. There is a kind of cheat way of it that if you get the car flashed with a map on it and then you take it back off, if you haven't got the supporting modifications... As long as you've previously had it, they can apply it after the 7th of September. So you can get a flash, put it back to standard, save up, get your tuning mods to match, like your hardware, fit them, and then they can reflash it. I'm just sitting wondering, like, the big tuner over here is 
APR, it's small compared to Revo. Yeah, Revo's so a big it'll thing. It'll be interesting here. to watch Revo in the next while to yeah, see what happens. Yeah, Revo and then Alexa Blackline are doing the Celtic Tuning Celtic maps. Tuning, yeah. It'll be interesting because those bigger names won't get away with what the smaller companies will. Yeah. That's, yeah, be interesting yep. to see is that announcement made about that. And then lastly, the big one. The big one. What have we got? What have we got? The Driven Run. Oh, right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had the Driven Run last Saturday. Really, really good uh, feedback, basically. Yeah, I got a lot of sunburn. Yeah. Yeah, um, you did. We started off in Down Patrick, and we've basically done a coast run of the South Down area. Went out to Strangford, went along the coast, our glass, Kilchief, Clock. Anybody that's not from here will wonder not really where we um, Down beautiful countryside. Some of the roads were a bit bumpy, I thought. Uh, sorry about that, Marty, and your yeah. still static Mark Five or Mark Seven or <laughs> Marty and uh, Burke as well. My brother was behind Marty, and basically he says the diff was hitting off of the road, sparks. Yeah. sparks. <laughs> <laughs> so you might want to get a sump guard or a diff guard for that. Yeah, it was forty-one. I was going to say forty-one cars. It was forty-one vehicles because there were a few yeah. vans on the run as well, and. Everybody seemed to have a blast. We had a bit of fun getting lost. Definitely wasn't my fault at all. No, my maps weren't were were really accurate. I took nothing to do with it. I was just <laughs> like, "What?" And then people were like, "Oh, where do we go?" I was like, "I don't. I'm as lost yeah. as you guys." I didn't even go to the driver brief, and I was talking. Lee was at it. <laughs> so we done a lunch stop and done drum. Bit of crack there, and then we're meant to be doing another stop in the back of the morns but uh thankfully we didn't my recce information wasn't as good as i thought so the car park was crap and we just went straight to the finish point there was a point we had to reverse was it yes 25 cars out it was of a half mile in end end. there was meant to be a big car park at the end of it and there wasn't there was just a bog <laughs> it was and actually a lake it was, <laughs> it was a one car track and yeah i think i made a lot of people pissed off but that was good it's all right uh the weather was unbelievable uh, and the scenery 30 degrees Sunshine, blue skies, scenery, not bad for first event. I was driving the, the Skoda, so Lee was doing the photos. Like, and we're just kind of driving along thinking, it's amazing what's around you that you don't know. You know, yeah. like we know those areas, but you never think of them. I, I wanted to do that wee area down around our glass because not a lot of people go out of their way to drive there. And no. It's really stunning when you get. Yeah, I mean, I used to be down there when I was younger, but I haven't been down there for years. And it's, yeah, you do, you take it for granted or you kind of forget that it's there. Like, we drive up here every day and look out at Scrabble Tower, and it's like, oh yeah, forgot about that. I'm nearly up Scrabble every week <laughs> yeah. in the yeah. good weather, just to have a look at the view. The view from up there is brilliant, but... Even more local dust, you have Oxford Island there, the yeah. like, nature reserve, and like there's people drive from all over the country to come to it, and it's on our doorstep, and yeah, I rarely go to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's because we think it's, it's just like that place where everybody goes dogging. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> so you're yeah. down regular then, are you? <laughs> Used to be. <laughs> well, um, that's, that's a young man's game. Yeah. He uh, finished up at the I can't Thief Thiefirth Inn or whatever you call it. Thurfirth. Thurfirth. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, shout out to those guys. They accommodated I us think well. They had just opened that day for the first time. Yeah, Lee and I had called in with them the week before to see about using their car park as a finishing spot and couldn't get them. And then we kind of just Lee went out of our way and tried a few people, spoke to locals, and nobody. Yeah, really I went knew. into the local shop and everything and asked them, and the, everybody knew. was kind of like. <laughs> I don't really know and then I tried to phone them during the week and everything and then the woman who answered the phone didn't even seem to know that she owned a pub never mind anything I, else I think you got the wrong number and she just went with it <laughs> she was just like oh yeah the pub you yeah phoned up, you phoned up a nursing home so somehow they'll answer it <laughs> hey the pub hi but my favourite part of that whole stop I got a pint of Guinness 
Again, and that was lovely. That was my first Guinness in well over... It could be Christmas. I think the fella really appreciated calling in because, what was there, 40 or 50 people? Yeah. And most of them had, went in and got something. Yeah, and he is a car guy because I got talking to him yeah. and I was telling him what we were doing. And he was like, look, he says, I've had your cottos over the years of a Morgan... He says, if I had known you were going to be here, I could have brought the cars down. Then he came out and had a dander around and chatted with people. Yeah, he was nice. Yeah, really nice people. Like it, the, the thing that blew me away was the variety of cars that turned up too. Yeah. Like oh. Everything from the latest Golfs, old Audis. There's Kirsten and her father in the Quattros and Andy Maxwell in the Audi 80. Connor Old in the BM, Con- yep. which is an out-and-out show car. Yeah, there's Mark 1 TT. Gavin Gavin Black brought the, the oh, crafter vans. Like the fir- was the he, first- broke the in- he broke the internet on Friday night, and then he turned up to our run on the Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> Volkswagen crafter van, 21s. First, first one in the world on air. Yeah. yeah, and like that thing's incredible. The sound um, system in it is ridiculous. Yeah, there, there's two 15-inch subs in the back of it, and they do a lot of audio stuff as well, Like, and the sound quality is everything's right. sound dead, and it's just so good. Few Porsches, uh, M cars, a few Jap cars, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> no, Jap no, cars Sorry, Richie. Richie. Richie's car looked amazing. By yeah. the way, I haven't seen it since That's he got it painted. Yeah, same here, and it looked so good. It's set up so purposeful looking. You know, it's it's. Uh, That's what he said to me. He says I wanted to be able to drive it. Yeah, it's a driver's car. It's a previous lift S fourteen. It's got eighteen and CLMs recently refurbished. The whole car has been painted. Um, I think it's running in around three and a half hundred horsepower, and just it just Which looks and good, drives yeah. so well. And just on that, we actually interviewed a few people on the run, so we'll play a few here now. Sounds yeah. good. So, how's it going? What's your name, and what are you driving? So, my name is Jack Hill, and I drive a one point eight Turbo nine ninety three GTI Polo. Very nice. Can you give us a few specs on it? So, we've got a Beach Buggy Turbos K three hundred five fifty cc injector, six hundred fifty liter prior fuel pump. Wave track diff and integrated engineering intake manifold setup. Very nice. Are you getting to use it much today? Oh, unbelievably. <laughs> the roads have been fantastic. Very good. And how's it feel to be back out in the road again? Oh, it's great. You know, getting to meet people and see things after all the lockdown. It's just been phenomenal. Brilliant. Thanks very much. So, what's your name and what are you driving? My name's Gethin. I'm driving a Mark 6 Golf R. Very nice. Uh, any modifications done to it? Yeah, a few. Um, we've gone for hybrid turbo. Three and a half inch downpipe into Miltech exhaust, front mount intercooler, a few fueling mods, and a bit of tuning with auto tune Balmina. Sounds like a fun car. Are you enjoying your day out? Well, this is actually my first time really properly driving this car. I bought it last September, and I've been doing a bit of work on it over the winter, and it's the first day out. Nice one. So it's good to get a run out on it. Yeah, it's feeling really good actually. We've still a bit more tuning to do. Um, get hopefully a bit more horsepower out of it. Um, but yeah, it's driving pretty good. Lovely, thanks very much. So yeah, that gives you kind of a feel for at least two of the cars that were on the run. Just on the topic there, or the first one there was Jack Hill and his wee Polo GTI. It's run like 240 horsepower or so. Pretty damn special build that. Yeah. Um, he offered me a run on it and he was like, here, take it out, take it out when we had stopped for the lunch run. And I was trying to be responsible and I thought, no, if I start that, everyone will be wrecking up and down the roads and all. And I hadn't the words out of my mouth. <laughs> two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Until Nigel can pass in Andy Totten's M2, and I mean, flat out. And I was like, fuck him. It was a beautiful, it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah, so I was responsible and you weren't. Yeah. I, I just had to stretch the car's legs, because Andy drives very slowly. He does, yes. A man does not push that car whatsoever. <laughs> He's the only man that can cover a two-hour journey in 20 minutes. Yeah. I'll be there in five. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So, 
But no, what Jack was saying there was right. It, that was the whole thing about the day was, I mean, the cars and the weather and everything was great, but it was just chatting to people Yeah. after so long. And even people you spoke to online and stuff that I'd never even met before. And it was brilliant. It was just, it was a great day. Yeah, no, I, I it was really like a mobile it. car show. That was it, yeah. <laughs> and I'd say it definitely was something for everyone at it. Um, before we move on, I think if some I put a feedback thing on uh, what do you call it? Instagram. Instagram and people. Sort of hold on, sorry, digging around here. Yeah, so we've got a few responses from people out on the run. So I'll just bang through in here very quickly. Yeah, that's certainly right. going ahead. So Connor Old, beautiful five series he drives. Um, just respond nice as to leave a bit of feedback. So Connor Old, it was great. Hoping that there's a next one. Stay tuned. Uh, Ian K. He is on the other side of the big pond. Florida man. I think it sucks I couldn't be there. <laughs> Marty Mim, the next road run needs to be in the M1. It was a brilliant day out. Yeah, somewhere nice and flat it's for flat Marty's car. <laughs> so Jack Hill then loved it as close to an actual event, I would say. We we could have got this year. Jazz Monkey, Michael Hughes, too warm, not enough Guinness. Here, he was a passenger. He got all the Guinness he wanted. <laughs> Clark, cocky, good fun, beautiful views, great weather, bad navigation, and no no stories to tell, officer. No, definitely not. There was a chicane involved, that man. It was interesting. Uh, very well organized and fun from Andy Walker. Andy Maxwell was Robin able to find his way home. <laughs> yes. As, as, as one of the organizers, i just like to say, right, this was organized by yourself, Relo Global, and him, who is Studio 10. How do you get lost? He done the original recce run. He sometimes gets lost in his garage. I th- yeah, I think he has lost his so, own head. I hadn't when we pulled into the last stop and everybody had kind of come in. I didn't actually notice that Robin was missing until that other group of guys it came was, over to us. It was and John said, and Those guys were like, we were driving behind him, flashing the lights for said, miles. You might want to phone Robin because <laughs> he's gone totally the wrong way. <laughs> I think he was in Castlewell. Well, he had Matt Lennox in with him, so it was like the Chuckle Brothers oh, driving the yeah. back hills of Moors. They forgot the runner run. Um, FF Metalworks, uh, nice diverse group of vehicular greatness. I was there in spirit, our Canadian friend there. Andy again, great day out, great catching up with everyone. Can't wait to the next one. Um, Ryan McElmeal, great fun, great scenery, and a great bunch of lads and gals. Roll on to the next one. Bert, um, fantastic day, real great to see cars driving instead of stationary at a show too. And his wife left a comment too, uh, so much fun and got to meet some new people. Uh, Callum McDonald or Callum Donalds wrote Unreal and looking forward to the next one make sure it's closer to Tyrone to save us the run <laughs> and Gethin then wrote Flipping Cyclists again that's well, after, after his random Facebook <laughs> yesterday <laughs> saying he's that, not wrong it was um, one of the other listeners who was on the run there was uh, Anthony underscore M85 um, he come from Cushendall, the guy that the are plates on the TT. Right, so that was a queer rundown as well. So, fuck you, Strum. Yeah, so feedback was great. I think everybody enjoyed it. Everybody did enjoy it. I heard no negative comments apart from my map skills. Yeah, the best about it was though everyone had like the next point. So if you got totally lost, even if you got a puncture, yeah. as long as you knew where the next point was, you could always get to it. It was fine. Yeah. It was a good laugh, guy. I remember. Well, lessons were learned, put it we, that way. I remember pulling into one of the wee small fishing villages. I can't remember which one it was. And I come up to the crossroads. And at that point, I think it was Kirsten and her dad. There was people coming glass, from every direction on the crossroads. Yeah. And we <laughs> so were all there was looking at people coming up the hill, down the hill, across the other side of the crossroads. I think there was cars from our run at going all directions. <laughs> there was another point as well. After and along, 
we started to climb up into the mountains and there was like a, a fork in the road out to the left and we were all taken down and next thing Connor Old and about five of those other guys come down the hill towards the fork and I just stopped and flashed them in and I was like I don't even know how they ended up up the mountain and now they're coming back down I'm sure we're good yeah. it's all good views no matter what it was great take. fun <laughs> um, just a quick shout out to Ross Delaney who came up and done a, a bit of media coverage yeah, and definitely. compiled a little video for us thanks to Ross um, but just to sort of sum up big thank you to the raffle, the raffle donors so there was uh, Motorsport and Spares of Ballymena, Black Nine Performance and Audio, um, Reload, Studio 10 and Dubshed. So we had five, five raffle prizes. And between Just Given, um, account that we'd set up and raffles on the day, we raised £1,160.95. Well done, guys. So, yeah, really pleased with that. And looking forward, um, myself and Robin are going to do a recce run in the next week or so for our next event which will hopefully be at the end of september hopefully weather holds out for that one as well well we'll sacrifice a few more goats hopefully i remember to put sun cream on yeah. <laughs> i think it was when we got home i think and connor was like oh i'm so burnt and stuff and i was like well i handed you sun cream and he was like yeah yeah i put it on my arms <laughs> it's like okay was it Ma- michael hughes was in hot competition you for sunburn awards yeah that's he was rough and he was looking bad now. I, I truly believe you were vampires in a previous life <laughs> <laughs> we'll just finish up then with another clip from some of the interviews we've done yeah so can you tell us your name and what you're driving yeah my name's connor and i'm driving an e34 525i very nice can you tell us a few specs on it uh yeah so it's all been repainted in san marino blue Full leather interior retrim with Harris tweed centers on the seats, uh, shaved tucked engine bay, airlift suspension, three-piece AC Snitzer wheels, standard sport kit, AC Snitzer mirrors, Snitzer spoiler, and apart from that, pretty much standard. It's a serious advocate for using the show car, isn't it? Yeah, well, it has to be done. If it gets tipped, you you paint it again. That's the best way to think of it. And are you enjoying your day out? Yeah, great day. Great weather for it and great run. Lovely, thanks very much for joining us. How's it going? Can you tell us your name, what you're driving? Yes, my name is Richie Brown. I'm driving a 1995 Nissan 200SX, which, despite popular belief, is not a Mondeo Coupe. So it's probably one of the very few Jap cars here today. Well, it's I've seen, what was there, a Subaru as well, but I believe it's only Nissan here today anyway. And can you give us a brief spec on the car? Yep, it's a UK car, like I said, 95, 2-litre SR20. Very basic modifications. It's got a Navin kit, uh, visual-wise, on coilovers and BBS LMs. Engine-wise, remap, ECU, injectors, and upgraded turbo. Just very basic stuff in the 200SX world. It's definitely set up as a total driver's car as opposed to the usual stance boys, isn't it? Well, it's less stancey boy, more drivey boy. Very nice. And have you enjoyed your day today? It's been a great day out. I've managed to get enough Factor 50 on to prevent myself getting burnt, so I'm going to go home happy. I wish I had done the same. Thanks very much. Yeah, so big thanks to those guys that's doing the podcast initially. It can be daunting to be recorded. and Great to hear from the guys that listen to the podcast and talk about their cars. Yeah, as, as Lee said as well, meeting people too that, you know, we spoke to online. There's plenty of people on the run that we knew through, we've known for years and hadn't seen them in a while and then people we'd never met before, so... And it's I think that's, that's what it took from the day too. A lot of people maybe got to know other people on the day. Oh yeah, so yeah. It was good. There was a lot of interaction between other groups, which was good. Yeah, people were over talking and because it was a smaller sort of event compared to some of the larger events, I think that meant it was quieter and people could talk to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that the whole vibe was it was like-minded people yeah. 
and no dickheads, which is what we wanted. Um, yeah. I think Andy Totten put up a post. He basically said, "Apart from Andy Totten, obviously he's a dick." <laughs> <laughs> he put up a post basically saying, "Great run out with fellow-minded enthusiasts." And I think that yeah. sums it up. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, details will come out shortly. The next one, and hopefully we can match, if not better, the uh, the vibe. Well, donations, vibe, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. So, Why not both? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So under our main topic today, then going from one drive to another, a man who's done a lot of driving in his career, Butsy Butler. He's an Irish drifter. He's from Waterford. Monster Energy sponsored. I'll not give too much away on the interview, but you'll listen. He's one of the first ones that Monster Energy sponsored in Europe. There was a bit of a push to try and get that done. He's done amazing things in career. He's been a stunt driver for Fast and Furious Live. He's on the Gumball. Pretty much any big things you'd want to be doing stunt driving, he's been involved in it. So He's, he's had an amazing life. I think I met him three years ago when he came with Monster to Dubshed. For Dubshed, yeah. I had a brief chat with him. Like, and oh, some of the stories just, yeah, they tell you is incredible. Some of them weren't suitable for the podcast. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll kick it off and see yep. what you think. So, Butsy Butler, Waterford native, Monster Energy athlete, stunt driver, liver of dreams is probably the, the best way to put it. Really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. How are you? I'm very good, man. I'm very good. Um, I'm currently in self-isolation in Waterford, but other than that, I'm pretty good. Yeah, it could be. Worst places to be in self-isolation. Could be better. I'm sure you've seen them. So... What got you started into cars then? You've obviously it's a big part of your life. Was this a, an early thing? Well, to be honest, for me, it wasn't actually. I only learned to drive when I was 17. Okay. And we got into drifting and donuts because I was into physics and science. When I was 17, my friend got insured on his mum's BMW. I think it was 530 or 5 something. 530, and we were cruising around and we started hanging around with boy racers. And then I went to a uh, cruise, my first cruise when I was 17. And I saw a twin cam actually doing a donut. And yeah. I saw the wheel pointing left and the car was spinning to the right opposite lock, as he said. And I was like, what was, where the fuck is that possibly? The fucking wheels are pointing left and the car is spinning to the right. And I was just obsessed with it. I was like, how the fuck? I need to learn how to do that. So I went home and I went on HowStuffWorks.com and brought dial up internet at the time. Um, went on that website. I studied how an engine worked, how a gearbox worked, and the differential and stuff, and kind of learned the physics of how a car worked. And then um, I started hanging around with more of the boy racers, and I used to sit in the passenger seat of the twin cams and hang out the windows of the twin cams, as many of you guys might remember. Yeah, I've seen the I've seen the photos of that. Like a sponge, I'd always take things in. You know, I was a quick learner at everything I did. When I was a teenager, I played soccer. I played. I was a tennis coach. I learned to play chess overnight by reading a book. I just anything I tried, I was good at. I was Irish orienteering champion when I was in the scouts. I had a volleyball All Ireland champion medal. I've done like mad stuff. Then I got interested in cars, and I was like, wow, I want to learn to do this. So when I turned eighteen, I went to the bank. Well, the credit union was called down south. I went to the credit union. I took out a loan of six thousand Irish pounds, uh, Irish pounds at the time. And when I went dock and bought um, silver over graphite, the eighty six, and that was my first ever car. Couldn't afford insurance, of course, but sure, I had no money to pay for insurance, so I just bought the car. I went to my friend's yard, Richie Lavin, who used to organise one hundred percent modified. I went to his yard, put up a stack of tires, and then I was able to do donuts around the first time because I had the theory and I was kind of knew the steering, what to do and stuff. So the first time I tried it at Richie Lappin's yard, um, I was able to do it. That's so, crazy. Yeah, uh, I did it from that. And then I went home and I told my dad, I said, I'm after buying a old Toyota Corolla. 
and he was like expecting it to be like 500 pounds or something. And he said, does it have an NCT or an OT? And I was like, no, no, it doesn't. How much did you pay for that? He told him 6,000 and he literally thought I'd gone insane. <laughs> so he literally didn't speak to me for two weeks. Yeah, he. Uh, so after that, then I had to sell the car just to show him that I'd get my money back. Plus, at the time, I couldn't afford insurance. Yeah. So then um, I always wanted another twin cam again. So after that, I bought a few cars. I had an Opel Corsa GSI. I had an R33 Skyline GTS with a full Nismo 400R cable on it. It was pretty nice, actually. But then Damien uh, O'Shea from... The uh, old the uh, Stephen no not from Stephen there what was he in um, was it opposite lock opposite lock yeah yeah that was the one yeah Stephen was there was doing opposite lock and I used to go on trips with them and then um, he told me his uncle was bringing in four twin cams from Japan and did I want to buy one and I was like fuck yeah so the two Tronos one wide body and then two other A86s so I put my name down on a red Truno. And it was, I think it was one of the first Trunos ever in Ireland. Uh-huh. You know? Paid £4,000 for it back in the day. It was like Christmas when the, the car transporter came down from Dublin and these four a, Jap A86s came off the truck and we were like, wow, there was a 83 with a digital dash. There was an 87 red over black that we just mint. And then mine was like the track car. Mine was like the under exhaust axle, a pixie exhaust that had three coils on the spring it was sitting on the floor had a full Costco cage and two red seats and it was nothing like an Irish cam to drive you know it was just it was much better I yep. even remember to a roundabout up north it was a big roundabout just outside one of the cities on our way up there I remember maybe it's uh, been a year since I was up there but I remember saying to Mark Brown who's there from the rear I just did that roundabout in third gear he was like no way no one's done that in third gear I think I'm going to do it in third gear it was in the wet court. Yeah. But then jump in the passenger seat and then swap second up to third and I was drifting the whole thing. It's a massive roundabout. I can't remember where it's I wonder where that was. Yeah, no, I can't remember. Maybe no, I no, no, I can't fucking remember now. So long ago. But yeah, so that was my twin cam then I got insured on that. I used to have a Ford Fiesta. I insured the Ford Fiesta in my name and I could drive any other car third party. Oh yeah. Sure, the twin cam in my mother's name, and then it was my mother's twin cam that I used to drive around with. Um, yeah, I drove down the streets, and then I used to we'd all go drifting in the streets. And back then, Waterford had twenty-two twin cams in the city alone. <laughs> so then I we started getting on the internet forums. So um, I was on cruise IRL and all that stuff. Yeah, I decided to start organising my own cruises. So I put up a post one day saying, "Cruise in Waterford, one of the." opposite lock display team is going to be there and they were like oh we don't believe you and I was like well it's true because I'm in it like I was in it <laughs> and I was like one of the one of the first well it was it was um, Damien O'Shea and Junior the head cruiser I did the first ones the big ones that I remember and then I kind of took it over and started doing them as well and they started like just a thousand cars would show up and walk for these it's fucking crazy yeah it's not like, like that now yeah I don't know it's mad now you can't get away with anything but then from there, then RTE, a production company from RTE, contacted me. I met them at a cruise down in Cork, and they said, oh, we heard you've been on large cruises, and you're a bit of a character. Do you want to do a TV show? And I was just at 20 at the time, and I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. 
I'm 36 by the now, but I was 16 years ago. But yeah, so I was like, sure, no problem, fucking, let's do it. So we shot it for three months and we shot an illegal cruise with me being the main character, me looking at locations for the cruise and writing on the forums and they followed two other people, one from Kerry and one from up north, I think, and then coming down to the cruise. Um, we shot it on the night and then when I went out on prime time Wednesday night, eight o'clock or something, it kind of got known then, I guess, in the car world. Yeah. After that, then, I got a job for Extreme Promotions, which is Richie Lavin. I got a job for him, and um, with Richie then, we did 100% Modified. He'd been doing it a few years. We did Fairy House Race Course, so I used to help sell the stands, booking the attractions, you know, getting the Fast and Furious cars over, and the, uh, the, like the, the, I can't even remember the name. This, this, man, my mind is gone. Can't remember back that far. All the tw- all the years of partying since. <laughs> Catching up on you. Catching up on me. Sumo power, that skyline, that yes. kind of stuff. Bring it across. So I remember I used to find the attractions and bring them over and sell the trade stands and invite to buy racers along because I knew to put their show on, on, you know, the cars on show and display. Yeah. So I offer a few years and um, that was fine. And then I went for... A uh, meal with Richie after one of the events, and Darren McNamara was texting me, Oh, I'm at the hotel bar, come on over, come on over. I said, Oh, will I? I'll, I'll hurry up, I'm just finishing this meal. So I finished my meal, I didn't stay for dessert, dessert, and I went over to the City West. Um, no, it wasn't City West, it was the Jewelry's at Falls Bridge, I think. It was the one beside the Point Depot, whatever hotel that we used to be all staying. Okay. I went over, Darren was away chatting to a girl already. So I met his brother, Graham McNamara, and two of us started drinking at the bar, and the two of us ended up having a mad night out. And at the time, Graham was running the D1 Drift Series. Yep. He said he was after speaking with Mondello, and he wants to do the Pro Drift Series. He wants to get away from working with the Japanese, because they're very hard, and he wanted to set up Pro Drift. So he knew I had the connections to help run a car show, and he was going to run all the like the drifting, the entries, and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, fuck it, yeah, let's do it. And then he told me his dream of doing a European series. So the plan was to go around Europe and sign up all the best drivers. And So I said, fine. So at, at that time, actually, that was after my white twin camera that had the R33. I sold the R33 to so about 15 grand for it. And then me and Graham just went tour in Europe. We went to every drift events. We met all like all the European first drivers, Kenneth Moan. And I called Glasbaum, Olaf Tamois, all these young, young, all these young guys back then. So we went around Europe and we told them we wanted to start drift, European drift series. And the first show we were going to promote it at was the Paris Tune and so. So we got booked at that and we got six of the best drivers back in the day. Martin French, Johnny P, uh, Dan Max, Julian Smith, uh, Kenneth Moan. And so we got them along in like a serious set of cars for back then. Even now, today, those cars would be awesome, you know? Yeah, those so, drivers, the names are, there's some very famous names in amongst that. We launched Road Rift at, um, at the Paris Tuning Show. Must be back. I don't even know the dates now. But so we launched Road Rift then, and we did that. That was like, we were, our plan was to do a European series, but it was just too much logistics, I guess. So we had, we kept running the Irish series. And then for a few years, I was just bored and not driving. I'd go to the event and I'd be just like running around with a microphone on, like the uh, uh, walkie-talkie. So I kind of just, I got bored of it. And after we did the Punchestown event, we, we agreed then that I'd just go back to driving and I wasn't going to work with Project anymore. 
So then I, I got a loan of the, the BR Skyline off JDM Imports, yep. the Northern 34 front. And I used that for demos. And I was using that for demos with Code Drift. And then uh, around that time, then Monster Energy were after coming on the scene. And they hired Code Drift to do the first Paris Tuning show. So they just paid them to bring a, car, a couple of cars and do the Drift demo. But then I met the marketing manager at Ultimate Street Car they were looking for things to sponsor in Europe. And I was like, he met me and he liked my image, I guess, with tattoos and stuff. And he thought I was monster. So we we said, let's, I, I pitched him the idea of me owning a drifting team and doing demos all over Europe for it. And he went back to America and he said, yeah, we want to sponsor this driver and these two other cars. And they were like, oh, no, sorry, we're not interested in drifting. Drifting's not our market. It's not our, what we're looking for. And then he had to fight with them for eight months to say, well, Europe's a totally different market. We don't have super costs. We don't have trophy trucks. We don't have stuff that you have in America. So you need to look at other stuff to sponsor here. So finally, after eight months, they agreed. And I was the first trip to, to sign with Monster. And now look at them with Bone getting and Ken Block. And yeah, it's surprising to hear that after, as you say, you have Ken Block is like yeah. huge they, in Monster. So it's funny that they didn't want to get involved with drifting at the start, but luckily when they moved into Europe, then America tried to finally agreed. So we, I started Team Triple Black, and I had Billy Nolan from Carlo and Kenneth Moan driving for me. Um, we did a show in Malta, it was our first show, and we te- teamed up with the Fuel Girls, and their booker, Richie Warren, um, people might know him from the Maxcar Fuel days and stuff. Yeah. Richie um, used to book us the shows and then we'd tour with them and we'd do a stunt show with the girls and we'd do like a sexy power wash and all this kind of stuff. And it was proper rock and roll back in the day. So we did that for three or four years, but that was just boys on the road. It wasn't making much money. So I had to decide then to just go solo and get rid of the team. His monster was already expanding and sponsoring other drivers okay. also. So then... Yeah, so I got rid of the team and um, I just went solo with Monster. And then I was doing that for a good couple of years. I was all together 10 years I was with Monster. So um, it was cool. We did Goodwood Festival, all that kind of stuff. And then the company got so huge that the guy I was first dealing with, he was no longer there and felt less of a family, I guess, then. And then I was just partying and drinking so much that... um, I was affecting me driving and I turned up to events and stuff because I was 24 when I got sponsored. I only had to work 10, 10 to 12 weekends a year. So <laughs> I just partying enough. So I'd have to sober up before an event. So, but I uh, monster kind of like that image, that party boy image, but then to turn up to a track and have a professional driver and this, I wasn't the right image then at the end. So, um, we kind of fell apart a bit for the last few years. But then uh, Chris Burns from Steer from the Rear, as you know from the North, Chris messaged me on Facebook saying, oh, we're looking for drivers for this new Fast and Furious live show. Would you know of any? Because he knew I'd know every driver around. So I said, Jesus, I'd be interested. You know, I'd, after, I was after doing my time with um, Monster Energy. So um, I was like, let's, let's try something new. So I said, okay. He said, but it's an audition process, you know. So he said the first audition process you can kind of skip is just you need to come in and meet the, the board members and just say hello. But he I, he said he knew me, so I just had to come in and go on a tour of Fast and Furious 
workshop in London and show me what they were working on and just say hello to the people. But that was like the first audition. Then the second audition, I had to go to a rally school in Birmingham. And this is the first time I ever auditioned in my life. And you just don't know what they're, what info they're looking for or whatever. But the first thing was a rally school and they gave you a map to escort first. And you had to look at a piece of paper and learn a little choreographed like routines. You had to go up like handbrakes, stop for a second on a certain point, go handbrake and then do like figures of eight and stuff and then a slalom. And um, you had to memorize it, which is pretty, well, I found it easy because I I was used to orienteering, so like to learn yeah. the course was just like an instant thing. So that was easy for me. So I did that in the Mark II, and then they were like, next up was the Micra. And I was like, man, I've, I've barely ever drove front wheel drive cars because I had a twin cam as my first car. So here I was in this and Micra trying to do like reverse donuts, which I hadn't done in years, but <laughs> past that audition anyway. And I got a phone call a few months later to say, or an email to say, look, um, you're in the last 32, be here at the NEC. Birmingham for two days of auditions. We'll supply our hotel. So I got a flight, flew to Birmingham, met the other 32 drivers, um, met a few, met a few that I knew, of course, and some that I didn't. And then the first day, then we walked into the NEC and they had two arenas set up and they had 10 Lexus IS 200s and then six Honda Civic Type R's. And they said, okay, do you remember that course? We did it at the rally track. You have to do that again. So if you memorized it, you were fine, which was, of course, fine for me. Right. So I went down the Lexus. The Lexus was grand. Uh, the Honda Civic Type R, I was at the practice in a few J-Tons before. So I did that okay, I guess. And then the, at the end of the day, they named out 10 drivers and they said, can you all stay here? So I wasn't in that 10 and I was walking back to the hotel thinking, oh, shit, fuck, I didn't make it. And mm-hmm. also... That day, they were interviewing you on camera. They wanted to see how you reacted with people and interviews and stuff like that. So there was like a lot of people. The mechanics were wanting to see how how you were on a car and stuff. You know, you weren't banging the clutch. I remember having a falling out actually because um, the cameraman was like, "Okay, I'm going to put a GoPro on the thing. Can you do a burnout just when you're starting off?" So he wasn't after telling the mechanics. So when I started doing the burnout, the mechanics started running over, going crazy at me. So I was like, "Well, he told me to do this." And, it was kind of, it was kind of messed up. So I was like, shit, maybe that fucked up my audition. Mm-hmm. But I was walking to the hotel anyway. And then we were sat in the hotel bar waiting to hear. And then all the 10 guys that were told to stay back, 10 guys and girls, I should say, um, they were told not to come back tomorrow. So I was like, oh wow. I'm in the next top 22 then. Happy and they were going to pick nine drivers from that. I was like, okay. Okay, oh, fucking hell, man. let's go for this now. And, and it was just bad paranoia, I guess, and the weird thing, going for an audition for the first time. So then um, we went in the next morning, and they, we did the course again individually, and then they said they wanted to pay us up with someone. First guy, I was, it was Dan Keeney up, the, up from the north. I was paired with him, and we had to do a, like a sing, um, synchronized kind of drifting and sliding around. And then the last finish was a pirouette, like a twin donut mm-hmm. but unfortunately Dan went a little wide so the donut wasn't tight and then he came up to me after and said oh I'm sorry man and I was thinking oh man the audition's fucked fuck what am I going to do yep. and then they called me over and said oh I know we're going to pair you up with this lad Johnny Orwood <laughs> and I kind of knew Johnny a driving style and the two of us looked at each other because you're supposed to talk to each other and just make notes about which way you wanted to drive it and stuff and the two of us just looked at it and we just go flat out lad and the two of us just let's do it and we did the first one, and we fucking, two of us were fast now, faster than I guess than anyone there, I'd personally say. 
and Johnny went a little bit wide coming in and he said he got some tire dust on it or some there was like um uh, tire dust on the side of the side of the arena. So he's when he was coming in for the twin donut he was slight bit late and then we did the donut but it wasn't perfect. And then they came on the on the walkie talkies like guys, you do know it's not a race. It's not a race now, guys, you know, because we were going so fast. And so I spoke to the outside of the car and he goes, oh, sorry, lad, I was just a little bit there. He goes, same again. I said, sure. And we just pounded. And we came in then and we fucking, I think we nailed it anyway. And uh, we drove in and there was one guy, Simon was the guy's name. He was a guy that worked with Top Gear Live and he was always speaking to Chris Burns to ask him, where are we going to get these drivers? We're going to find these gun drivers for Fast Live. It's going to be impossible. And then... All weekend, he's just walking around with a sad face. And then we, me and Johnny just pulled in, and I could just, it was the first time I've seen him smiling. So now I was thinking, oh, wow, this is, this is, this is good now. This is good, maybe. So they said they'll contact us later. So about three months later, then Roland French, the organizer of the show, phoned me up. And of course, I always had the backstory of Butsy being the party wild boy and he's going to turn up drunk and do all that kind of stuff. And so he phoned me up and he said, look, I've got good and bad news. And I said, all right, go on, tell me. And he goes, well, the bad news is we don't want Butsy Butler for Boston Gears Live. And I said, oh, shit. Oh, oh, well, I'm uh, sad then I didn't make it. And then he said, look, the good news is we want Derek Butler. Just went, laughing at him, you fucker. And he goes, look, he said, look. We're serious, we take John, but you have to promise to do this and that. I said, yeah, look, I'll take it seriously. And that was fine. And then, um, then yeah, that was it. We got booked into a training camp. They rented this cottages, like these kind of two-bedroom little chalets next to a, an army base in the middle of England, kind of near Birmingham, like not too far, I guess. So it was all top secret, blah, 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 blah. So we arrived there, we all the other guys that had been picked, and so we all had a few beers and whatever the first night, which was all great. And then um, we started to work, and we had this amazing guy called Colin Sangster, who was the choreographer, and Naomi French, who was, um, who was Roland French's partner, and she was trying to learn to call the show for the first time. But what an amazing job she did. And she came in and she just, her and Colin together, put the whole show together with us, so each day we'd learn a different segment. So there were seven driving segments in the two-hour show. And like the longest was like seven minutes long. So you'd have to learn seven minutes of choreography, which is pretty hard to do. Yeah, it's a lot so of Every day we'd learn a little bit more and more and more. And we were practicing in the Lexuses first and then in the Civics for the front-wheel drive scenes. And we were there at the Army base using the outdoor arena at first. We had three different arenas there, so we'd use that. Uh, it was an amazing experience. And then once we, we had um, a couple of old drivers from Top Gear Live, and they, they were helping as well. They were teaching us as well. Like there was a front-wheel drive driver there teaching me every day, and uh, Gordy is his name. And he, um, yeah, it was great. And then after the end of the three, uh, that kind of thing, we got a certificate saying we passed the past live training camp, which was kind of cute, <laughs> kind of cool. And then um, we started using the indoor arena and the actual cars. And um, so I remember me and Johnny Irwin, we were just all the time waiting for the Tokyo Drift scene. Tokyo Drift scene, that's all me and Johnny wanted to do because drifting's our thing, you know? Yeah. So the first time, it was the last, I think one of the last scenes we learned to do because uh, they knew, I guess, we'd get it kind of quick because the front-wheel drive stuff around the truck and stuff was a lot more complicated and the LED cars were a lot more um, choreography to do. 
So um, me and Johnny were like, yeah, yeah, just give us two Lexus and leave us go at it. So we just walked. We remembered the whole thing, and then the two of us just went and fucking kind of nailed it first time again. Everyone was clapping and cheering when we finished, and we're like, yeah, this is cool. And then we had to do it again because the first time we did it was just cones, uh-huh. and then we finally got the pillars. And the pillars arrived, and they're like a meter square pillars. We had ten of them to put in the arena, and then we're looking at the arena going, "Fuck, this thing is small now." <laughs> Jesus Christ! But luckily enough, uh, Johnny never hit one. I hit two, uh, but Johnny never did the whole time. He never hit any. I hit one in the horses, and then I, did I hit one? no, I never hit one in the show. I hit. I ran the wall in the show. I broke the tail off the wall in the show. But uh, I guess it's not too bad. I didn't stop stop the, the driving. Um, but yeah, and then we launched at the O2 in London, and it was just like an incredible experience. There was like 110 staff working. It was just amazing. They flew Vin Diesel in, and my parents flew over, my mom and my sister and stuff. And yeah, it was just an amazing experience just to do five shows at the O2, because all my London friends, they're all musicians. Uh-huh. Like for me to say I'm performing at the O2, but before all you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> So it was cool and that was amazing, but what happened was they spent all the money on production. This is my personal opinion. I think they spent all the money on production and then they didn't have enough money to market. And the marketing company were Live Nation, which are the hugest, the largest marketing kind of company. They put on all the concerts, you know what I mean? Like Lady okay. Gaga. Anything. But all they had to do was put up a poster in the city, Lady Gaga, or she posts on her Facebook or whatever and the tickets sell out like that. Yeah. Post- Serious Live was a totally new concept. So they put all the marketing to London and London did great. And we should have stayed in the UK and did the UK tour because everyone in the UK kind of knew the drivers a bit and there was a bit of buzz around it. Yeah. But for some reason, the people were out in Belgium. And it was like, we went from London out to Europe. And we did a couple of months in Europe before returning back to do Belfast, to do Glasgow, to do um, Birmingham, Manchester. So it was like when we went out there, that's when there was no people because all they saw was posters around the city and no one did, didn't know whether it was a new movie out or what the fuck it was. So they really should have just marketed it in the UK, got some videos done, got some promo stuff and then like promoted it on YouTube that this is a new crazy spectacular stunt show and then went into Europe so it wouldn't cost money. Because to move everything at the start was 42 trucks. Oh, lovely. My friend Rufus, his dad is in Queen. He's the drummer in Queen. Okay. And they only use 16 trucks to move everything. And he's using 42? We had 54 vehicles at the start to use in the show. We had tanks and uh, Buicks and every sort of thing. Like The concept was insane. But it was it should have been a static show, I guess. Like yeah. Not a circus. It would have worked maybe somewhere in Vegas or Macau, you know, as like a people come and watch the spectacle and then all you have to do is move the cars and backstage. But then, of course, ticket sales weren't great and the whole thing started going down the pan and then we could see it. They started letting people go from different departments and letting like Pyro go and stuff like taking less and less away from the show, which was sad to see because honestly, the show was fucking a spectacular show. Like it was a good entertaining show. You know, you got your money's worth. It's sad to see something like that with so much effort and time and passion put into it, and then it just dies on its ass eventually. Yeah, planned. It was, that was the whole thing. It was supposed to be a five-year tour, so we're going to do Europe first year, and iron out all the kinks, and then go to America and do like the stadiums and do big shows, you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. was the whole plan. And then, unfortunately, with Europe, just ticket sales being so low, it, it just went bankrupt. So after seven months, and we were after signing the contract for a year and a half, after seven months, we got phone and sold. Sorry, you're made redundant. I was like, oh, shit. 
fucking hell. Not my ass because I was kind of after like leaving Monster to go with Fast and Furious. Yeah. And then I was redundant and I was like, shit. But our last show was in Paris and one of the guys said, one of the drivers, he was used to work at Disneyland in Paris stunt show. So he got us all tickets to come along and watch the, the Disneyland stunt show. And then I met one of the guys that I'd met at Gymkhana before, uh, a guy called Mark. I met him and I was chatting to him again and got his Facebook. And then I messaged him like a month later, maybe, after I was made redundant and said, hey, if you know of any job in Disneyland, let me know. And then he said, oh, no, um, he said, I don't have that in here because the show is closing down anyway next year. But my friend is looking for a driver in China, I know. It's another French guy. So um, I got his email. I sent him one email. This is me. This is my resume. This is like pictures. And this. I sent him the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, Synchronized Drifting with Johnny. And I sent him that. And he phoned me the next day and offered me a job in China. I was like, well, let's do it. I said, I'm not in here. I traveled the world. And I guess I'm being lucky that. I have no kids or no mortgages. I'm, I never bought a house or anything like that because I can just pick up my bags and go travel the world. Yeah, there's nothing tying you down. Yeah, there's nothing tying me down. So I've been to a quarter of the world so far, 48 countries. That's amazing. Pretty good. I have that kind of, just, I like that lifestyle of being able to just up and go. But I look at other people out back home, they're all buying houses and stuff. They're like, oh, you need to settle down someday. I'm like, I'll settle down when I'm old. I need to settle down. <laughs> right now. <laughs> go on, I can still keep going so we yeah we um i flew out to china i was my first time properly doing the show in a left-handed car so i had two dodge challengers a dodge challenger rt and an srt and it was a small little half an hour show and we did two shows a day with some fmx bikes so it was easy work but it was six days a week and this is the first time in my life i was working six days a week so it kind of got monotonous a bit but i was earning good money and I was, had a nice apartment in the company, Showtime Entertainment production that I was working for, an amazing company to work for. So everything I had, everything was great. So I did that and we did a year and then I signed another second year contract and um, then the fucking virus happened. So then we're in China, of course, in January, getting told this virus is kicking off and then in February we get told that the park is closing for a while and to stay in our hotels. So I booked a flight out there, flew to Thailand. I booked a five-week holiday in Thailand, wait, waited there to see what was going to happen. And then like two weeks into my holiday, everybody else got sent home anyway. So they yeah. all got sent home. So all the foreigners got sent home. There was people from America, Mexico, France, um, uh, Ukraine. So they all got sent home. And then unfortunately then it was three years nearly over already now. So I think this, this the theme park are after putting on like a different show there and just hiring Chinese drivers or something. Uh-huh. So that's happening there now. But we're working on a new show possibly. Um, when the Fast and Furious show finished, all the cars went up for auction. So I helped a new company I was working for. I helped them buy a couple of cars. So we have a couple of cars. Um, we're looking at doing another stunt show in Europe next year. Very nice. What what did you buy? Uh, we bought one of the LED skylines. We bought the flip car. We bought the Mona Lisa S15 that I drove. We bought two police cars. We bought the flying car, the flying Dodge. Uh, we bought the water tower that we could fall. We bought the plane that the lightning jumped out of just for like background and stuff. <laughs> My boss already has FMX bikes and he has ramps already and we just maybe need to buy another few cars. And at the moment we're building an insane Dodge Charger. 
an insane Dodge Charger. We've got a NASCAR shell, and it's getting it's getting um, it's getting a Charger shell on top of the NASCAR. Oh, so, nice! So it's going to be a replica from the Fast and Furious car. Tidy. So yeah, I won't say anything too much more yet, but yeah, it's going to be looking good, and I'll probably post some photos on my Instagram in that soon. Berlin, so there's plenty more to come from you. Yeah, I'm sorry you didn't even have to ask me a question, huh? No, you're grand. Obviously, this kind of lifestyle has afforded you to meet a lot of people and do many different things, but you've been on the gumball rally quite a number of times, haven't you? I've been so lucky to get to do that. So in 2009, the first year I was sponsored by Monster, Monster sponsored the gumball, so they had a two-year sponsorship of the gumball. And Richie Warren was a gumball um, alumni, like he'd done it a few times so he knew Max, the owner, so he got us a deal where it was me, Pritchard, and Dirty Sanchez, a DJ friend of ours, Neil Navarra, and Richie Warren, who got us a free entry on the gumball. So we shipped the Nissan Skyline from Southampton. Uh, we only got it from Japan, and we didn't even have number plates. We had to bodge up the, the, <laughs> the logbook some dodgy Irish plates. So we shipped it over. It got as far as New York. So I got the job then as I was the driver to drive it from New York to LA before the rally. And then the rally was going to be LA to Miami. So I would have been down 6,000 miles. My dad had never been to America. So my dad flew over with me and he was after recovering from cancer. So it was a great experience for him to come to America with me. We went to the customs office, the customs docks, I should say, on the Friday. And they said, sorry, it's not to your customs yet. You'll have to come back Monday. But we had a, a weekend for I, I lost the weekend of driving, but then I got a whole weekend in New York with my dad. Yeah, pretty, that's amazing. Yeah. And on the Monday, we collected the car, and I drove three days I ended across America. I just drove 12 hours a day, stopped at the motel, had a sleep, woke up three hours a day. And the funny thing was, any time I got a speeding ticket, the officer would come up and hand it, my dad the ticket. <laughs> yeah, other side of the car. Yeah, right. So my, we were just laughing the whole time. My dad didn't care because he was like, I'm never going to be back to America again. So he just kept handing out his license anytime the police stopped us. Um, oh, so fantastic. We, we made it across. We made it. Thursday, I arrived in um, in LA. Or, no, Wednesday night. Uh, I left Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday night, I arrived in LA. Thursday morning, then uh, Richie had organized with Alex and another guy, Ryan, I think, from Pimp My Ride. They were going to wrap the car and put on their wheels and just make it look nice and fancy. So they wrapped it, and then we were with the fuel girls. They had a Hummer, and they wrapped that, and we were going like Team Fuel Girls or whatever, Team Fuel. So then and then the rally, then Friday was the rally entry. And then so it was my first time arriving at a five-star hotel, and I was like, wow, this is fucking insane. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, there's David Hasselhoff, man, there's Tony Hall. Oh, there's the Prince and Sheik, and then, oh, this is crazy. There's a gold Bugatti. I was like, wow, this is insane. So then, and yeah, we did uh, LA to Vegas, or LA to Vegas with the first leg the next day, and then we finished across onto Miami. And it was incredible. I remember having drinking games with Tony Hawk, making friends with Sheiks, and just like, uh, just a, it's the most incredible experience for a power person ever, especially from someone. Well, I guess I'm humble in my way, and just like to experience this was just like I pinch myself. You know what I mean? Some people are used to these lifestyles, but this is my first time experiencing it back in 2009. And then luckily, I got to do it again next year, which was London to New York. And overall, I've done it five times. And then I've also done a lot of other rallies: the Cannonball Ireland, the Cannon Run. Um, so yeah, I've been lucky enough. I've been blessed to 
live a bit of a, uh, a billionaire lifestyle on a Dutch school budget. Is that what it's like? I love it. Well, so what's it like? You're meeting all these crazy celebrities. You know, do you just go up and introduce yourself and they're like, what's okay. happening? Uh, well, I introduced myself to Deadmouse and Deadmouse like, oh, I know who you are. <laughs> like I, I, I Googled or YouTube how to drift and a video of me came up. Fantastic. So I was at some monster, so he knew already who I was. But I think on the gumball, they don't treat you as everyone's get treated kind of the same because they don't know who you are or what you do. And they, I think they think that you have loads of money, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're as they, big as them sort of thing. Miami, I was like, hey, cheers. We've been on the, you know, when you're on the road with someone for a week, you'd always say hello and whatever. And then like, I became really close friends with DJ Muggs and Esther Venoria, the photographer from LA. And then even Exhibit was in, in Miami saying, oh, we're forever in LA. And I was like, I'm actually flying back to LA after. And he was like, here, give me your phone, dude. And he put his number and he's addressed my phone and said, message me. So I did. And I ended up in Exhibit's house and he rolled a big joint and I didn't even smoke weed. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> just, um, no, I'm at Exhibit's house. And of course, I got a whitey and stoned at Exhibit's house back in 2009. That was pretty cool. And then we got invited to the Playboy Mansion after that. So I went to the Playboy Mansion back in 2009 too. Yeah, I really need to write a book or write about my stories. You're 26, smoking with Exhibit. You're living it up in the Playboy Mansion. It's just a dream come true. Doing donuts around Warford, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's such humble beginnings, as you say. 17, like buying my first car at 18. And then... Eight years later, I'm on the Gumball Rally driving Nissan Skyline R34 with all these Bugattis and stuff, and I'm doing donuts around Tony Hawk and just doing all these crazy things. I'm like, this is so surreal. And then, yeah, so yeah, it's a pretty, pretty wild story, right? Where I come from, where I've gone. And a more local sort of wild story was in Manchester. You got to drive an F1 car through the city. Yeah, yeah, that was through BetSafe. So during the Gumball, BetSafe sponsored it. And this young Olsen was one of the drivers for BetSafe. And his photographer, Oscar, saw that I was getting involved with F1 cars. What happened was I met a guy at some random posh cricket event. And he knew who I was because he'd seen Gumball videos. He was a massive Gumball fan. And him and his friend were buying and selling always used F1 cars. So he was like, oh, what's he nice to meet you? La, la, la. I was like, cool. And we ended up having a few beers. He said, look, I've got an Arrows, 96 Arrows F1 car. You want to come and test it? And I'm like, there's a bear shit in the woods, of course. Exactly. Um, so unless it's a polar bear. But then, <laughs> but then, um, yeah. So I went out to a, a, a runway, and he gave me a go in the arrows F1. I was doing some donuts in it and just taking it up and down the runway and stuff. And then I, we had some plans to build like some sort of F1 drift car, see if we get some sponsors for it. And then Oscar Backe, which was Ewan Olsen's photographer working with BetSafe, he pitched them the idea of maybe you could do an F1 car thing with Butsy. So they called us in. We had a meeting. We built an F1 car for the stunts. It was a 2011 BMW Sauber. Um, uh, so yeah, we just, they wrapped it all up in BetSafe. And then we took it out at an eight, eight o'clock in the morning through Manchester, through the streets of Manchester without any police notification or anything. We just did it like guerrilla style, which is made it even more fun. So Julian Smith would be driving the van with my trailer and then goes trailer up the road and we'd have a route planned out and I'd race up the road and boom, put it in the trailer. Then we'd go and shoot the next segment and we shot it in a day, which was pretty cool. We shot that one. And then the next day then, because BetSafe sponsored Manchester City, 
we go to the Manchester City training ground and there was a F1 or a footballer, Jesus Navas. Any footballer fans would probably know him, but I didn't have a clue. Jesus Navas arrived at the training ground in a Nissan Qashqai or something because Nissan sponsored Manchester and all the paparazzi were like, this guy's on 100 or 200 grand a week and he arrives in a Nissan. So they wanted to do like a fucking funny stunt to piss him off. So... The stunt is that Kolarov arrives at the training ground. He's one of the other players. And he looks around. He looks at his watch. And he's like, where's Navas? And then he looks at the entrance. And there's a, a Nissan Micra driving in. And then the Nissan Micra pulls away. And the F1 car is behind us. And now and I drive it in. But then when the helmet comes off, it's Navas. Brilliant. So that comes off. And it's like, vroom, vroom. And then uh, another one of the other drivers. Or one of the other players. I can't remember who he was. Uh, Willie something. He was a goalkeeper. He comes in then, so it was three players, and then we still got to shoot this thing at Manchester City training ground, which was pretty fucking cool too. So yeah, that was that was great. I think it's on like six and a half million views now, just on the bet safe YouTube, and then I think the Daily Mail put it out for another couple of million. So if you're with ten million views, we're going through KFC drive-through and Formula One. That's what I was going to say. Whose idea was it to go through the drive-through? Well, we we worked with a, an agency in. Um, Birmingham. So we set out kind of funny ideas, chief, chief, chief and something, media or something they were called. And um, we just kind of, we had a meeting before and had some ideas. So of course I couldn't drive around the drive-thru, it never worked. So yeah. we had to meet the KFC and say, sorry, can we do shoot this little thing here? And the guys behind the camera were like, they didn't give a fuck. They were, <laughs> they really had to kind of push it backwards and then I drive up to the up to the counter and get the food and then drive on. But so yeah, it was pretty 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 crazy experience. But yeah, the video went pretty viral, which was cool. And you're saying there there was no place involved, there was no permission for that. Did you get any hassle or did anyone report you or anything like that? No, nothing. It's the way we shot it. We shot it in different segments, and then that was it. There was one, the last scene. I overtake a car, right? Yeah. Flat and the lights flashing, but that was. Um, that was just going the road. I don't know if they ever reported, but sure. Hey, excuse me, I've just seen a Formula One car driving through the streets, and then like it's on in the back of the trailer. So they're never going to believe anyone. I don't think. Yeah, that's we were we were talking about this. We were watching it the other day. In the last segment after after the like the credits and stuff, that's just one of the guys in Chieftain in a high vis jacket. That was just as a just, setup. A joke, kind of just setup. Yeah, there's no police. It's not a police uniform. We just got one like a fake one, and then. So yeah, that was the last one. But no, I never got anything about it. The Daily they, they, they Mail put it up all right. It's crazy driver driving around Manchester. But the way it was shot, it was fine. It was safe. You know, the overtaking it was right. The dog was fine. That's really. Family's obviously a big thing going by your social media. You're a big, big family guy and you're away from them a lot. So you're home at the minute. You're off then on another adventure in a McLaren, I see. Yeah, yeah. I'm running kind of run next now in August. So what's the route for that? Um, it starts in, we do London, Paris, Grenoble, down south of France, Monaco, over to Milan, up to Lake Como, and finish at the Nürburgring. It's a pretty good little, little route, actually. And what's That's, McLaren are you driving for that? Uh, six, is it 620? I don't really know my supercars that well. No, funny, I'm the same as much as I'm into my cars. I, I don't know the models or mechs or what's going on with, at that end of things. And it's me and James, the owner of the car run. He owns the McLaren. And she's had to fit in hybrid turbos to it. And I'm sure we drive, so I'm sure we'll have a bit of fun with it. Yeah, I'm so, saying yeah, it'll be fun. I think it's a 628, I think, for the Um I don't really know my supercars, really, but I can't afford them yet. So. You just know that it goes fast. Yeah. And uh, 
I had the donut before, actually. I remember Ronnie from up north. Ronnie gave me a 360 Medina before. And uh, when we did the Modified Motor Show in Pintana, uh-huh. I hid, hid in the crowd and Terry Grant pretended not to be able to do donuts and or something. And then he dragged me out of the audience and everyone's looking at me going, this kid is getting in this Ferrari. And then I was like, getting drifted around, which is pretty funny. This is back way before, this is back like, just opposite lock days. Like, yeah. Before that. But yeah, so I've driven a couple of supercars. Uh, yeah, I've driven a good two actually. No, I'd, even on Gumball, the brother, there's two brothers that own a Bugatti, and they offered me to drive it like. But every day then in the morning, I'd be hungover, and I never got to meet them on the road to actually take it for a spin. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I will from there. And what, what's probably the most memorable thing you've ever got to drive across your career? The F1 cars never going to not be memorable, eh? But my favourite overall is throughout the 86 man. Yeah. Not like going down a back road in the 80s. It's like the best thing ever. No, it's memorable. Um, the Blitz Skyline sticks out because that was a famous drift car back in B1 days. The Blitz Skyline. Uh, I got to drive that. Um, I drove the HKS S15. I got to drive that. Um, I don't know, just been lots, I guess. And then, of course, the supercars, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, I've driven all those. But yeah. most memorable F1 cars was RNA 86. That's if I get, Full circle. Yeah, one car on the road though, I'd be probably an M5. I think overall, I had a 530D and I'd love the shape of the E60. Yep. And I just think an M5 is in the car because it's rear wheel drive, it's four door, it's comfy, and it can drip and you have boot space. I, now I'm getting to the age where I like comfort, so. Getting old. Getting old, that's it. <laughs> well, but see, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thanks very much for your time. If anyone wants to follow you, where can we find you? Uh, it's at Butsy Butler on all social media. So it's B-U-T-T-S-Y, B-U-T-L-E-R. Excellent. And we'll post that Butsy as well. Butler. Thanks very much. All right. Thanks, Connor. Thank you, mate. Bye. Yeah, so I hope you enjoyed that. One thing I would like to say is this went out slightly later than I thought. So when he was talking about going on the cannon run at the end there, it's, he's actually just finished it. He's come off it last week. Um, it actually it looked amazing. He listed where they were running through and like some of those places is like dream holiday for people and they're just driving through and Oh I'll say is follow him on Instagram. Yeah. Oh <laughs> his Instagram will open your eyes. Like it's it's crazy. When he has an event coming up, his Instagram uh, story is just unbelievable. Yeah. And he tends to like he look back at stuff that he's done previously as well and post about it and he'll give like kind of like I suppose kind of like thoughts about what was happening in his life and talking about what he was doing and really really nice guy like and he's working in china and he's talking about like you know when kids are coming to see him and interacting with people and just really really cool guy um some of the highlights for me i seen when i was watching his instagram stories for the run they were doing was uh they ended up at randomly at disneyland which i thought was quite cool um doing the stelvio pass as well awesome unbelievable like that is the road for those cars he started off in a mclaren again i don't even know which one it was he didn't know which one it was it was three numbers it was three numbers <laughs> i'm not into supercars and when he said the same i was like good man um it belonged to the owner of the cannon run and he, that other guy then he was in his lambo his lambo windscreen got smashed so he took the car back off butsy and put him into a convertible bentley so it's, been, it's hard for him like that. Is, some hardship. I'm sure he was very annoyed about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was another thing they had up one night where they'd stopped somewhere in Italy and the Italian police were test driving the cars. So they were letting them out in like <laughs> these supercars like wrecking up and down the road, which is quite good as these guys are in full uniform. 
don't think the PSNA would be up for that to carry on. Well, well it depends what you'd speak to. I was going to say that maybe certain would be RMS, up for uh, uh, users I, might be. Would he, would he get away with it? Is the problem? <laughs> There's someone crying about it. It was um, unbelievable. Some of the stories and just the life. It's just l- listening to him talking about the F1 car through Manchester was a highlight for me. Unbelievable. Like how many people can say they've driven F1 car through a city and or driven an F1 car at all? Also full true. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. I was actually listening to. Um, your boy Smith does a podcast. Johnny Smith? John, no, I don't think it was Johnny Smith. Um, he had it's another fella. He's an automotive photographer and he had Larry Chang on. Okay, yeah. And he was basically talking about shoots and basically a case of ask forgiveness, don't ask permission. Uh, and yeah. Some of his best shots were, we're just there. chanced. So uh, just that F1 run was basically, let's not go through the paperwork, let's just chance our arm. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you Google Betsy F1 car Manchester or something like that, it'll come up, but it's so good and... He talks to her about like at the end run, he was like bombing up the motorway and overtakes a car, and you just kind of see him like lift the hand to wave at them. And you're like, "Oh, so cheeky!" <laughs> <laughs> um, he takes it through the drive-through as well, which is quite funny. Our previous guest, Andy Cooper, talked about Julian Smith, who worked on the drift car the night before yeah. for them. That he brought it down to like three in the morning. He was actually involved in that. You hear him talking about Julian Smith had his trailer parked, so they just kind of done like a quick blast down a road filmed what they had to and then drove the car up into the back of the trailer and just kind of drove off very stealthily but he, he said it took a day to do all that yeah, so they were basically bang 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 location 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 yeah so how it didn't catch up with them yeah here kudos that's it's some <laughs> going like um but yeah such an interesting life that guy has and one thing i took from it was wow amazing all the stuff he's done but it's basically uh i was talking to this fella at a bar yeah, and then everything just, just rolls from that. Yeah, everything just happens. <laughs> that speaks volumes for the guy's personality, and he doesn't turn anything down. You, you just know, say, "I'll try it and see." It's influencing people too. It's a credit to the guy that he sort of and so down to earth. Like you yeah. think of the things he's done, people he's been with. You know, it's bound to be a point where that can all go to your head. But like, I was asking him, you know, what what's the car for you? And he was like, a twin cam, Crowley eighty six, yeah. and like it's where he started exactly. Yeah, and it's. Uh, it's humbling to hear that, and he he said throughout, he's just like, I'm just a guy from Waterford who bought a rear wheel drive car, and it just kind of worked out. Nothing to do with the fact that he's a talented driver or anything, but <laughs> you know, he's 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 very very down to earth that way. It was great. I think he's a very skilled fellow. Obviously, he's very skilled, but just listening to his early days, orienteering champion. Oh yeah, it seemed to be he's one of these guys that who I envy greatly that can turn his hand to anything, and it yeah. just it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He taught himself how to play chess. Was it he yeah. said yeah. from reading a book? <laughs> Fair play. I need more people like that around. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. Well, thanks again, Butsy, and we'll have yes, you on again, as much I said. A, much appreciated. It was really, really interesting to hear his life story, basically. I'd like to take a second to talk about our sponsor, Reload Global. Reload Global are an enthusiast-owned company, providing you with not only premium automotive apparel, but accessories such as garage manners, posters, stickers, and air fresheners. They're Northern Ireland-based and are an official stockists for 8380 Labs in the UK and Europe. They help us make all this happen, so check them out at reload.global. This episode we didn't actually put out for any questions, but one managed to slip through the net, as they always do. <laughs> this one actually strangely came in through Facebook. It's from Chris Moran, and he says, We'd love to hear your answers to the question I have regarding my next daily. Is bigger better? Calm yourself, Lee. Do you prefer a bigger <laughs> car, or would hatchback be more of a thing? Currently stuck between a 1 Series and a 5 Series, and they're at opposite ends of the size spectrum and can't make up my mind. Cheers, Chris. New M3 Touring, done. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's sort of in between, is that what you're saying? 
It depends what you want. I mean, I like yeah. a big car and I always have and I like events and sporty estates and that kind of thing. But equally... You like a small car? I like a small hatchback, a Nova or, you know, similar, the Sirocco, obviously. So it kind of depends on your life and what you want it for. Yeah. Do you have kids? Are you going to be carrying stuff in the back of it? You know, but people what's your commute like? Buy, you know, buy for what needs and stuff you have. But like, you're driving, you have no kids. No, there's, and there's I drive an estate. And you drive yeah. a, one of the biggest estates on the road. Yeah. Um, you have a good mixture of stuff, Nigel. You know, well, hatchbacks and estates. I think, I, I think I've sort of planted different seeds to what? What? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> tell <laughs> the wife. <laughs> you know, but I, I've, I'm lucky enough to be able to have a few cars about with stories and stuff. And I can be greedy that way. But uh, hatchback every time for me. I was always a hatchback guy. And for some reason, I, I loved the look of a big car. And when I was younger, I always wanted like Ventos. I wanted you know, five series, that kind of thing. And I never owned them. And then just by chance, I ended up buying the Bora. And I, I didn't go out to buy it. It was just a random purchase. And that kind of scratched the itch for what is not really a bigger car, but a saloon car. I think it'd still be, if it come down to it, I'd be a hatch guy. You know, I'd, I'd still prefer Mark III. It's always a hatchback or if it's buying a Mark V, or buy a, a GTI over a Jetta or something like that. I think as Lee says, it all depends on your needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you um, need. If you're lucky enough, you can have a couple of cars. You can pick and choose. Yeah, I've I've had big fast cars and just a, there's a bit of a disconnect. Yeah, it was one of the first things that you said on the podcast in the early episodes was about the RS six that yeah. it just it wasn't for you in regard that you want to take it for a bit of a blast down the back road. It just doesn't feel as planted. It's even the feel of the steering. Yeah, I you're bound to notice in the or compared to the Sirocco, like the oh, Sirocco, the superb's like a boat. Yeah, and it. <laughs> It, it's comfortable and it oh, does yeah. its job, but it's like but you do feel the you're extra You're not hammering it around back roads, like. But they were no. designed for different purposes. Uh, so yeah, that, that car was designed for driving to pull and back, whereas the Scirocco was to drive to put it down back. Yeah. Aye. yeah. A great car there, as Connor was saying earlier on. I got to drive Andy Totten's um, M2. Oh, I Hapis. still have such a horn for one of those. Like. They're such a good car. <laughs> Andy is a driver enthusiast and manual car. It blew me away how... Um, they're turbo, the, aren't they? Yeah, three they're turbo. But it didn't feel like a turbo. Yeah, you were saying it felt It felt like a parallel delivery of power. There was no lag. There was no wish. It was just power, power, power. Um, linear delivery. Gearbox felt very... Not dated, but just purposeful. I It didn't feel like modern, where it's, as you say, kind of disconnected. It you felt, felt like, like you were changing the gear. Yeah, there's a mechanical link yeah. between your arm and the gearbox. Um, so that opened my eyes, and then I went and trader and realised I can't afford that. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. No, well, hopefully that'll confuse you a bit more. I don't think we answered that at all. No, not at all. <laughs> Do whatever you want. Exactly. <laughs> Before we finish up, then how do we sort of request during the week and sort of last hours to leave reviews? Yep. On Apple Podcasts, there it helps us. I don't know what it does, to be honest with you, but other podcasts do it. <laughs> yeah, everyone else seems to say that it helps so put ask, you into the like, suggested podcasts yeah, and things like that, so, so if we can try and get that boosted up, it would be great. We'll ask the rate and review, so we're just going to quickly run out through these here, and our favourite one's going to get a wee goodie bag. Okay, so the first one was from back in January, so this is an older one, um, from Ben VTR. He says, a delight to the ears. Very enjoyable podcast, especially if you're into cars, specifically Volkswagens, although, yeah, we... We do try to include Jap cars, but he's not wrong. I do shit on them sometimes. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Um, the cars you've seen in Ireland and listening to two mates talk about everything and anything. That was before I was here, obviously. 
Ooh, a girl. <laughs> uh, next one is from Belfast Shithead. Chris McConville, big shout out. Uh, he says, good podcast by good people. Very easy to listen to with interesting topics. Can't wait to see this progress in the future. Thank you very much. Uh, the next one is from Bab91. He says, Hoovy's Garage meets the fall. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and the German beer going to his head. He's living uh, out there in Germany, isn't he? Yeah, is he? I. It's car sales. <laughs> the main uh, part of the review is, this podcast makes me feel better about my own terrible mistakes. Highly recommend. <laughs> I know his terrible mistakes, and that's a bad thing. <laughs> He's the only man, actually, I know that has multiple cars in multiple countries. Think of that. <laughs> Sounds like a rap star. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a headache. <laughs> Next one from Borley187. He says, great podcast by great people. Give it a listen excuse me great podcast by great people gave it a listen and was hooked very interesting and educational and most of all good crack one of my favorite podcasts cheers Borley. next one from rally wayne really enjoyed listening to these through the whole lockdown period interesting guests topics and plenty of banter to enjoy best local motoring podcast there is by far great work guys looking forward to the next one Thanks, Wayne. Wayne has a lovely uh, mini he brought along there. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a bit of a mouthful. It's a, was it a mini Cooper S or John Cooper S Works GP? I yeah, think it is, yeah. That, um, that thing's seriously fit. Yeah. yeah. Is it set up? It's with, lovely colour too. It is, yeah. It's like a... Greyish blue. Yeah, it's like a blue tinge to the grey. Um, is the Toyo Triple R or Triple Eight tyres on it and the race wheels and... I think they're come from factory with like a rear seat delete, so they're just a two-seater. Purposeful. He was actually on the run with us to Scotland on the day trip last year. Back in September, October. And another one had a bit of a go at him, one of the more modern ones, and he pushed him up the hill. Get out of my way. Yeah, it's a fit with you. Next one is from S14 OCP, regular contributor. He says, this podcast is lit and some little fire emojis. Prop, <laughs> <laughs> uh, prop. 12 out of 10 would eat here again great podcast and great content hopefully connor will continue to play with fire some for some more hilarious stories keep up the good work always lee can't <laughs> stop me with fire you pay for the petal Simon. we'll get him lit <laughs> <laughs> and the final one then final one is from ff metalworks who we spoke about at length earlier he says everything you need plus irish accents close your eyes and imagine ireland Rolling green emerald hills, crisp ocean air, the oak caramel smell of some of the best whiskey, and off in the distance, the roar of the VR6 wiki. How's she going by? (laughs) (laughs) Reload podcast is composed of three of the best hosts accompanied by some of the best automotive, automotive guests. Everything from the best race history stories to current automotive news, all told in a seductive Irish accent. A must subscribe for any enthusiast. Well, that's why we got Lee to read that one out because a seductive Irish accent is not what I have. That was that was beautiful. That brought a tear to me. I, um, I think it's obvious that Dennis is our winner. Then there we go. Yes, yes our so. Irish eyes are definitely smiling. Yes, yeah, it's a be- beautiful piece of literature. He's... Nigel's Irish eyes were smiling last night with a drink. <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't the whiskey though, unfortunately. Um, yeah, we'll get something sent out to you, Dennis. It'll probably take about two years to get to you, but it'll get there. Yeah, well, but yeah, thanks to everybody for sending those in. It said it helps us, and if we can, well, and gives us a laugh sometimes. Yes, so. yeah. Yeah, there's some funny ones over the years. We we'll love the feedback, folks. Yeah, so keep it coming. Feedback and interactions, what makes yeah. it is good. It's yeah. good fun. Join the conversation. And to roll that into the driven event was even better. So yeah, yeah. Will that do us up. for today. Yeah, that's us. 
Super. Well, as usual, you can follow us collectively at Reload Podcast. Um, my Instagram handle is at Maxwell Horse. Maxwell Horse. <laughs> <laughs> Maxwell Horse. I thought you said Horse House. Um. <laughs> Maxwell Tour House, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, oh. Connor's the pimp. Oh dear. <laughs> you got my purple suit on. <laughs> Any Photoshop experts out there, you know what to do. Uh, yeah. Go on, madam. Maxwell House 46. I look at you at a different light now. <laughs> I'm at Connor McCann. I'm at V-Dub Boy. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. See you later. Cheers, folks. See you later. Bye. Bye.